Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Wednesday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes every Sunday for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 63 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. Super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today as always. I've got a really special episode for you guys today, but first this is a show about prioritizing marriage and family and keeping it as a central goal for young young believers and making sure the relationship is prioritized in a world of, world of many distraction. Because we live in a world, guys, where there are a lot of things demanding our attention. There are a lot of things demanding our time. And this show is about making sure the higher priorities stay at the top of our list. So today I've got a really special episode for you guys. I'm going to be reviewing a video called The Truth About Being Single, A Conversation with Donald Miller by Pastor Stephen Furtick. And I'm going to be giving you my perspective and opinion on the season of singleness, what it is exactly and what it is intended to be, what it's designed to be. Um, how long it should be, that kind of thing. I'm going to be detailing all of those questions throughout the course of this a podcast episode. So if you would like to hear what I think on any of those topics, uh, be sure to stay for the full episode and listen. So let's go ahead and get started real quick. The first thing that they're going to talk about, if I were to have to wager a guess, is going to be an idea that somehow the season of singleness is a good thing and that it's it's something they're going to kind of elevate the sing- season of singleness and they're probably going to say that it's uh, a good thing that it's not intended to be miserable that it's not supposed to be uncomfortable that God can actually teach you um through your season of singleness and rea- in reality only one of those statements is actually true but I think that's what they're going to say let's continue though and see what they actually do say that's just my guess in terms of taking responsibility in a relationship, you say pretty strongly in the book that the human longing can't be met in another person. Mm-hmm. The real human longing can't be met through another person, can't be fulfilled through a human relationship. Whenever I preach about relationships, people who may not be married in the church kind of look at their watches. How many weeks is this thing going to go on? Because you're going to tell me I don't need somebody and you have a wife right. and all of that. Uh, I would just jump in here and say that, yeah, those questions are actually really valid. So I'm glad that some people have actually brought that up to him here. He's he's just said that the sing- that the longing we have, uh, perhaps to not be lonely, perhaps to seek companionship, love and affection, cannot be met in another person. 
And I would say that's that's simply not true. Um, now, I would say that he's got a point in the sense of our ultimate purpose cannot be met by any human and that our ultimate purpose is, in, in fact, re- communion and union with God and Jesus and Holy Spirit. But I would say that he, he's misrepresenting how important marriage is here, and he's making it seem like just an option and like something that's not actually going to fix your problems, when in reality, God designed you for the road of marriage, and choosing that road does prevent problems. And there's no way to get around that. Um, I would like to hear him explain how... Uh, you you are supposed to deal with your sex drive into your you know late twenties, early thirties, which is the average age of marriage for men and women now. Uh, I would like to hear him say how you're supposed to deal with that effectively in a moral and ethical way, um, without the road of marriage, because he seems to be suggesting that none of your your needs and your wants are going to be fulfilled. When I would say God actually intended you to get those sexual needs met through the context of a marriage, um. And again, he would probably say something like, well, um, what you have to do is you just have to buckle down and trust in the Lord. And really, that doesn't provide any, absolutely, I trust in the Lord, I'm buckled down. How does that help with my drive? <laughs> how does that How does that in any way impact the problem that I just presented you? He's giving an answer that doesn't even address my question. So I would definitely disagree with him here when he says, and and the reason, here's the, it's this is such a complicated issue because the reason he's actually pointing this out and he's making marriage seem like less than it is, is because there are some people out there for whom they are so uh, desperate and they're in fact probably maybe not even seeking God, they're instead seeking uh, marriage. But those people I would say are becoming fewer and fewer, whereas the people who are just throwing marriage out the window entirely are becoming more and more and more. So when he when he preaches any message which suggests an underlying uh, reasoning that marriage is not something that's good for you and it's not something that meets your needs, he's actually part of the problem that we're seeing today. He's perpetuating this cycle of people choosing to throw the road of marriage out the window entirely. And I would say that this advice that he's given so far is outdated, but he could totally redeem himself here. And again, I have nothing against either of the people in this video. I think they're doing lots of great things for the kingdom of God. I wish them the the best and I bless the road that they are paving, but I'm going to 100% stand up against a, uh, basically a teaching that I think is very negatively impacting Generation Z and causing us to run into serious problems, particularly in the building of healthy families. So let's continue with the video here and just see if he uh, explains himself a little further. But, you know, you did a lot in your life before getting married. Mm-hmm. You said you were 42 years old when mm-hmm. you got married, and you had accomplished a lot. You wrote a book that was read hundreds of thousands of times, and you made kind of an impact on the world. Would you speak to that now as someone who maybe has the credibility to say, I went through that season and I accomplished some things and I dealt with the loneliness. What is your perspective on what you call the unfulfilled longing? Well, I'll say this. I, um, my years being single were, you know, I, I don't want to paint them as dark. They were fantastic. I traveled the world and got all sorts of stuff done and probably stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do if I were married because I was just devoted to work and all that kind of stuff. So they were fantastic. So anybody who's single listening, just ha- have a blast. I mean, and and get some work done because that's going to slow down real quick. Okay, man, guys, 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 guys. I am shocked. I'm I'm in shock to hear this kind of teaching. He just said that he not only had a blast and uh, he 
appreciated for some, for some what intents and purposes his season of singleness, but that it was actually a time when he could get more done than when he's married. And that to me is just so not true. The guys, that's a lie. You can do so much that is worthwhile when you in your season of marriage. You can do so much. In fact, build it comes down to really what you value more and he just talked about writing books and traveling the world all those are fantastic things absolutely i'm not discrediting or discounting any of that but again would you value that more than what you can accomplish through a marriage would you value that more than raising children that are going to slay the dragons of this generation and impact the next do you value traveling and reading and writing books more than let's say being jesus to your spouse being closer to one person than you ever will be to anybody else in this world, do you value things that you can do more than that? Because if so, I would say you have a very sorely misplaced priority system. Here, guys, those things, I've done those things. I've done—I've traveled to every state in this country except for two by the time I graduated high school. I've written two books by the time I graduated high school. I've been a nationally competing Bible quiz kid since I was like seven. I've, you know gotten my bachelor's degree in early childhood education. I've completed internships. I've I have hosted a podcast. I've interviewed thought leaders around the world by the time I was like 21. And guys, I'll tell you none of that, nothing that I've ever accomplished in my entire life, it all pales in comparison to the the road of giving my life for a wife. All of that means absolutely nothing. Not absolutely nothing. It means something. I'm glad that I've done all of those things. I've, I've enjoyed those aspects of my single life. Um, and it's not like I'm saying singleness is something bad. It's obviously a season that we all have to go through. And I'm not saying I'm not minimizing the importance of what you can do in that time either. All those things that I did were great. I learned who I was when I was in my before I was 10. After I was 10, I began growing in that and developing myself as a future spouse. And now I'm 23. And I, I'm saying to elongate the season of singleness, to make it more than it is, to elevate it beyond what it's intended to be, which is it's, it's supposed to be a thorny seat that reveals you your need for something else, your need for a relationship with a woman, your need for a relationship with another person that God intended you for. It's supposed to be something that is so uncomfortable that reveals to you your need for that. But instead, he's presenting it here as some as like an elongated destination vacation that for, for all intents and purposes, you should be in no rush to leave. And that is so not true. So not true. When we elongate the season of singleness, we may give time we may give time to people to develop themselves who perhaps are not ready to be spouses. There are certainly people out there who are, you know, in their late teens who are not ready to be a spouse. And by elongating their season of singleness, we might be providing them with the opportunity to grow a little more because they need to do that before marriage. But there are other people who have done the work. They've put in the work before that time. And to elongate that time any more. Even if the, after all they've learned so much, to elongate that time anymore is simply a case of misplaced priorities. You're telling them to value things that don't really matter as much as the road of marriage. So I would totally disagree with him here. I want to see if he adds a clarification or something, though, because right now what he said is super out of balance. Especially when you have kids, right? Yes. But I will say this in yes. terms of... Uh... <laughs> and that they laugh there. That really bothers me, too. Like, as soon, when you have kids, that doesn't mean your life stops and then you can't stop doing good things. It just means that you actually have the opportunity to do something that matters so much. It matters so much. You know, C.S. Lewis has a, a quote that says, Children are not a distraction from, the mo from more important work. 
they are the most important work. And there is so much truth in that. For these guys to be sitting here and saying, when you have kids, you, you stop being able to do things that you enjoy and that really matter, they're really misrepresenting what it's like to have children. They're really undermining what it's like to have children. And again, I would say it's totally possible to write books when you have children. Just write books about having children. Or write books about things that actually matter now instead about how, how uh, some you know how much fun you had as a young person or some fantasy story and i'm not undermining fantasy or i'm just do you you get what i'm saying here guys there 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 is a tier system as to what matters most in your life and far too often within the the circles of christianity that i see with a public platform they're elevating tiers of life that don't actually matter as much as higher levels that God made them for. And it really bothers me. It rubs me the wrong way. It breaks my heart because we see these young people now choosing to idolize and prioritize those things instead of choosing what God has designed them for, i.e. marriage and family. Okay. So let's keep going though and see if he adds any clarification. Right now, I'm very disappointed. (laughs) In terms of, you know, you can't be fulfilled by another person. I I, I agree with that. That is true, uh, that only God can ultimately fulfill us. But I also believe, you know, there's this myth that, uh, Jesus will fulfill every longing of our heart. Hmm. I, I do believe that ultimately at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and even in today, but here's how he does it. Uh, Jesus fulfills the longing for, for water and thirst with water, right? Yeah. Jesus fulfills the longing for food with food. I love that. Jesus fulfills the longing for friends with friends. Keep going, man. This Jesus fulfills the longing for a woman, guess what? With a woman. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel so much better now. (laughs) I mean, I am so grateful that he just said that, guys. I'm so grateful because that right there, what he just said, is a clarification that most people do not give. Most people end the conversation about 11 seconds ago. They end the conversation about this with God is the one who will satisfy your desires, and they basically don't say anything about how he will do that. They basically don't say anything about your future as a father, your future as a husband, your future as a wife, your future as uh, as a mother. They kind of leave it there and kind of leave that as an ambiguous ground of whether or not, you know, yeah, you might not even want to do that. That's just that's just one of many options. You know, God God can do something miraculous. Only, guess what? He operates within the rules of the world that he set up. Guys, miraculous is only one way that God works. God works. God created a man to need woman for a reason. And the only reason he's going to miraculously step in there is for something exceptional. He's not just going to step in and override his the own his own creation, the creation that he designed. He designed it that way for a reason, right? So I love that this guy's uh, pointing that out here. Um, again, if you have a desire for something, th- that the reason is because there's a fulfillment for that desire that exists. Ultimately, again, that is Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of everything we need. But he chooses to meet our needs through these specific outlets that we should choose. If we're not choosing these outlets, for example, marriage, family, children, um, you know, we're setting ourselves up for a road of disappointment, heartbreak, loneliness, depression, anxiety, you name it, guys, especially if you're a man, especially if you're a man, but it's true for women as well. But I'm, I just so appreciate that he threw that clarification in there. Uh, so all of that is how Jesus does it. Uh, so here's what's beautiful about, you know, God is walking with Adam. God is walking with Adam. There is no sin. So Adam should be completely and totally fulfilled if God fulfills every desire. But what does God say of Adam? Uh, he's not, not complete for men to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. He's lonely. Well, how can he be lonely if God fulfills every desire of the human? Heart? I'll Great tell point. you. 
Hi guys, I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now, in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material, including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings, okay? So lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs $5 a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day, okay? So you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance, okay? Follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to listen Listen to and now, without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Dang, guys, so good, so good. I really appreciate that. Again, people who suggest, people who, when a young person comes to them and says, "Hey, I'm really feeling a desire. I feel called by God. I'm feeling uh, a real urge to marry and begin thinking about my future as a stable person in society, namely building a family." Um, and I'm looking for advice as to how to do that. I'm looking to get connected. I'm looking to meet people who are potential spouses. I'm looking to get involved in a community that will provide me with mentorship, advice, uh, str- uh, strength, reinforcement, and uh, one day the accountability uh, for when I'm married and I'm gr- I'm grafting that family. How can I? How can you help me do that? When a young person comes to people and says that, so often they are met with the advice of, "Honey, you just sit back and enjoy your season of singleness. Don't worry about it. Uh, God's got you." And in- what instead they should be met with is, "Absolutely, you are in a place right now that God designed you to be." You're going where God designed you to go. You are going against the uh, crowd of, of your peers in the world today who are choosing to avoid the road of marriage. You are doing something that is beautiful. And how can I help you with that? I'll get you connected here and here and here and here and here. Here are some people that you can hang out with, uh, some peers your age who are like-minded and looking to go in the same direction as you. And after you get that, after you find one of them that you want to pursue and invest in and enter, perhaps enter a relationship with, here are some mentors for you. Here are some people that we can set you up with to give you advice. Here are some people that we can set you up to give you um, a vision for crafting your future family. And then after you get married, here are some people who can uh, back, come behind you and reinforce your marriage. That's what we should present people with. That's what we should present people with, not some story about how being singleness, being single is great and why, wouldn't you, why would you want anything other than being single? And other, when we do that, we are working against the Holy Spirit. We are working against God. This guy just pointed out that God is everything. He is the f- complete fulfillment of everything that man could ever want. And yet he's walking in the garden with man and says it's not good that man should be alone. Hi, guys. This is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. That didn't happen exactly at the same time, but the principle is there. God creates man and says it's not good for he- that he should be alone. Right there in that moment when man and God are closer than they've ever been. When man has more than he's ever had, he's one with God. He's just been created. He's in perfect right standing, righteousness, perfect justification, a state of um, intimacy with the father. And yet God says, it's not good that man should be alone. He needs a helpmate. Guys, we cannot ignore that principle. We cannot ignore that principle. And that gets ignored far too often in Christianity today. So I love that he said that. Let's keep going. 
Hi guys, I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now, in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material, including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings, okay? So lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs $5 a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day, okay? So you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance, okay? Follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to listen listen to and now without further ado let's get back to the episode why because god put another desire in that guy's chest for a woman awesome and he withheld the woman and you say okay well then he gave him eve no he didn't god said you're lonely you cannot find a helpmate suitable here's what i want you to do name the animals now Pastor Stephen, if you were charged with naming the animals, we all have told it in a children's way that it's going to be an afternoon in which you say giraffe, monkey, whatever. Even Darwin on the Galapagos Island took years just to chart a small microcosm of the species. <laughs> I think 10 years to 100 years of no woman, period. So this longing, he didn't just take the longing and fulfill it. He took the longing and made it worse. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. No. Oh, um, he's lost me there. He's lost me there, guys. Um, I definitely do not think going 10 to 100 years after you begin feeling the desire that God implanted in you for a woman is a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea to go 10 to 100 years, <laughs> I, which I, obviously he's not saying that. He's probably speaking more metaphorical in the sense of there's a season when you should, uh, when the loneliness should actually get worse and that you should grow in that. And that's probably the direction he's going to go. Again, I would say, um, not everybody has put off work. Not everybody has chosen to live a life of um, personal enjoyment rather than personal development. And some people, by the time they're 18, are mature, and they are ready to begin looking for a spouse. And you're telling them to wait and, you know, for some unspecified length of time that he's not seeming to place his finger on here, you're telling them to wait and just sit in the uncomfortable um pricks that God's poking them towards marriage for, you're just encouraging them to stay there and kind of kick against the, the goad of the Holy Spirit? I, I totally disagree with that. Um, again, not only would I say you're kicking against the goad of the Holy Spirit, you're kicking against the, the push of God towards marriage, you're actually, you're actually setting yourself up for, uh, for failure. You know, if you're needed, if you need a woman emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, if you are lonely and God has designed you to need that and you are choosing to go without that, what 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 in the world is stepping into your life and is going to become strong a strong adversary of yours because you have that need? <clears throat> so, for example, um, if you are emotionally needy and you choose to uh, go without a, a woman, what in, what in your life is going to have the opportunity to come in there and try to meet that emotional need through a faulty and flawed way? There are lots of things that can do that. You know, poor friend circles can do that. Uh, poor relationships with women that meet emotional needs but are not lasting can do that. Uh, let's say it's another need. Let's say it's a physical need. Let's say it's your sex drive. So you've, you've got this need that God gave you, and it's come to full fruit. It's in its full raging uh, strength by the time you're 18. Um, for everybody, by the way, that's true. 
So it's come to its full raging peak here, and you're going to say, no, I'm just going to elongate my singleness here. I'm going to create this period of uh, basically setting myself for, up for more struggle and loneliness. What is going to step into your life and try to meet that need? The natural answer in today's culture is porn. You have access in your pocket probably right now to more pornographic imagery than has ever been on the planet before, guys. Like millions of years of pornography. If you just hit play and let it continue, it would continue for millions of years. And that's not, I'm not making that up. You can check that statistic and everybody has access to it. Children, kids, and you expect them to go, how, what's this, what's this period that he's talking about of just elongating singleness? You expect them to go that entire time without pulling out that phone and getting a 200% spike in dopamine in a couple seconds. I'd say that's absolutely stupid advice. Absolutely stupid advice. Guys, and I, I, it breaks my heart to hear anybody in the Christian circle say that. It's bad advice. It's bad advice. You do not need to elongate your your sing, season of singleness. Let's see what he says, though, here in case he adds a clarification. Yeah, made it worse. Wow. Literally made the man wait and work. Then he gives, of course, he puts Adam to sleep, as the story goes, takes from Adam a rib and makes Eve. Uh, Adam wakes up and sees Eve, and it's the very first place in the scriptures where you see uh, an ancient form of Hebrew poetry called parallelism. It's as though the text has broken into song. So here he sees this woman, he says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He broke into song when he saw her. Why did he do that? I'll tell you why he did that. Because God made him wait and name the animals. He had to work for it, and he had to feel that longing. Okay, this is an idea that's really infiltrated a lot of Christendom, and that's that if you wait, make them wait for it, it'll be sweeter. And while there's some truth to that, especially, I would say that we make that period much longer than it needs to be. So, for example, this the season of working and developing yourself as a healthy spouse that can serve another person well, as Christ served the church, uh, I would say happens well before you're 18, or it should ideally happen well before you're 18. Again, if you are from a healthy family and you make it to 18 years old, 20 years old, and you have not developed yourself as a healthy spouse, you have absolutely no excuse for the way you have chosen to live your life. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but that is something that you should already have done. This period of growth, of naming the animals, so to speak, in a sense, should happen well before you're an adult. Okay? Well before. And I'm not even saying that there's there should be no period of li your life where you encounter sexual struggle. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying making it a 10 to 15 year process is dumb, is absolutely dumb and not the way God designed you to live. OK, so I would say he's got a point here about the it'll be sweeter as waiting for it. And absolutely uh, marks to proper marks to that. Um, but again, you should already have done that work well before you've got this raging drive uh, to get married. OK. The, the drive to get married is not something that you simply put to sleep. You can't. God didn't design it to be put to sleep. He designed it, he designed it to get you off your butt and move in the direction that he called you to move. Okay, so I, I would like to hear what he has to say, though, here. So let's continue. And, you know, what I love about, you know, I don't want to discredit my wife because she's an amazing woman. But I guarantee you one of the reasons I cherish my wife is because it was 42 years of naming animals. And I find, and you think I'm going to mess this up after 42 years? Wow. And let me just say there, like, uh, you waited 42 years, dude. Um, I feel like people who are in that situation should be saying, yeah, ideally you wouldn't want to do that. So I think that's one of the problems with sort of quick transactional relationships is it doesn't give us the chance to build up the desire which is, which is embedded in pain. We tend to think pain or loneliness is a bad thing. 
like you did something wrong. Pain or loneliness is a gift from God to, to help us appreciate what eventually will be given to us when he blesses us. Mm. See, th- this actually clashes with my theodicy and my world, my, my, my view of God. I don't necessarily think that God gives you pain or is ever responsible for giving you suffering. I think that absolutely we live in a world where there is no such thing as going without pain and suffering, but that does not necessarily mean God orchestrates the pain or the suffering. He simply uses it to work together for your good, to work together for the good of them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. He uses bad things that happen to you and he creates beautiful things out of those those situations but he does not orchestrate evil he does not orchestrate cancer he does not orchestrate um a child being murdered he does not orchestrate a woman being left by her husband he does not orchestrate those things those are the result of the free will of man okay and god takes what man chooses to do wrong and turns it into a story of beautiful redemption that's who god is people who are hurting from loneliness are hearing that right now and i hope they're comforted I hope so too. Yeah, I, hope I know. I know what the enemy is going to tell them about that, though. It applies to other people, but not to you. You know that other people, maybe their loneliness is by design, but what you're going through, you caused it. You know, <laughs> there's something flawed and wrong about you. Because we will always believe that we're the exception. Yeah. To whatever gifts God wants to give, and I just, I, I love this picture that you're painting for us right now. That. God allows the void and sometimes creates the void. Mm. Uh, no, 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 he does not create voids. Sorry. So that he can fill it with himself. Now, that doesn't mean that God is going. God's already filled me with himself. I have the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God given to me by Jesus. All right. That's not something that I have to enter suffering in order to obtain. To withhold every good, perfect gift comes from above and all of that. We believe it. But. You're on the other side of this now saying, I wouldn't have known what to do with it. And I wouldn't have known how to cherish it if I hadn't had to wait for it. Now, I would say that that there is such a thing as picking up your cross and following Christ. But I do not think I think that's something that's a natural reaction born out of a love that God demonstrated for us first. I don't think that that's something that uh, even necessarily applies to the situation that young believers find themselves in, in today of yearning to be married and not being married. Um, picking up your cross and following Christ uh, speaks to a, a life of sacrifice and a life of serving other people, which is exactly what marriage is. So um, to use this idea of God giving suffering in order to make it somehow sweeter when the victory comes is just not true. He actually calls you into uh, service and sacrifice. He calls you to into um, in, in a way all of the, limp, the pain that that entails, but he's not calling you to, he's not prov- and putting pain in your life. He's calling you to a life that is uncomfortable, yes, but is also so fulfilling and pleasurable because you are choosing to do what is right. You are choosing to do what is good, and that is enter a covenant relationship with a woman and build a family and raise children who uh, slay the dragons of the modern era. So I would definitely say that it's not fair to draw a distinction between God putting suffering in your life um, to uh, suggest that young Young people should actually elongate their season of singleness. Again, I cannot go with him on that. I think that's a very bad idea. Wedding day was the happiest day of my life. I mean, it just didn't, was never sure it was going to happen. And we didn't rush into it. I mean, we, you know, we took a long time and dated and, you know, did all that stuff. And see, I don't even think you should take a long time in dating. You know what? Like, it doesn't take that long to figure out if you want to marry someone, guys. It doesn't really take that long. So if you're just elongating your season of dating still and you're still like dragging out the process of actually tying the knot, I would ask you again, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? 
Uh, and I don't think there are very many good answers to that question. You know, like I hear very ambiguous ones uh, like, well, it's just not the right time or, well, God just doesn't want me to get married yet. But really often those answers are used to cover up reasons for not getting married that aren't good. Guys, people say that kind of thing when they have a when they have a flaw in their life, when, they, when they're choosing a road that they shouldn't often. And they, they use that thing, that, that answer to um, basically uh, not. They, you can't come back with a response to that if you oppose them, right? You can't say, well, I don't believe God's telling you that because, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. They know what God's telling them theoretically, but only maybe they don't. Maybe they don't know what God's telling them, and they're actually choosing a road that he actually is not fully behind, but they're giving God as a reason for the path that they're on. So I, I wouldn't say that elongating your season of dating is a good choice at all. Uh, I think, again, that's elongating the time when you can uh, experience heartbreak more than likely. Um, why would you, I would say you need to just make up your mind fast and then move towards the direction of engagement and marriage um, as fast as you possibly can. But that stuff has to be earned. You can't, you, you, know, you just can't rush a climactic scene. You can't rush it in a story. You have to have the tension. If you don't have the tension, the climactic scene is going to be a dud. You know what I like? We don't think of our flaws as the glue that binds us to the people we love, but they are. Grace only sticks to our imperfections. Again, very cool and totally not relevant to the conversation, but super really, I agree with it, 100%, good stuff. Relationships that you get to know somebody and it's like the fifth or sixth time to hang out with them and they just share some sort of insecurity and you suddenly feel closer to them. Yeah. Well, again, there. See, I think maybe I'm having a disagreement on uh, definitions with these men because he's he's suggesting that the fifth or sixth time you've uh, hung out and met with somebody is a relationship. That's not true. That's uh, dating and meeting people. If you haven't actually defined something as a relationship, moving towards the goal of marriage, you're not in a relationship. You're just in an undefined, uh, you know, way of spending time with somebody. Uh, which I would say is not a good idea either. You need to be committed. And if you're not really interested in somebody in that way, why are you hanging out with them? If you're unsure, uh, why are you spending so much time with them? Again, I would say that the <laughs> figuring out if you want to marry somebody or not comes tends to come pretty quickly, at least for most of the people that I've um, met and talked to uh, who are mentors in my life. It's not something that they've had to uh, you know, discover over a process of years and years and, and drug out. They've known pretty quickly and they've moved towards that and committed and followed through with their commitment. And that's why they're in the beautiful spot that they're in today. You suddenly because go. you think it's going to drive them away. And yeah. all of a sudden you find out the thing that you were trying to hide. Yeah. And you can't use it as a strategic tool. It has to be sincere. Right? We can't go, well, I'm going to be vulnerable in order to uh, you, you yeah. smell that out. Yeah. But what happens in those things, I think, is that... So he's talking about you can't rush vulnerability here. I would totally agree with that. And I would say that trust is earned and that uh, p trust is built through vulnerability shared and, resp and responded to appropriately and lovingly and um, trustworthy tr uh, in a trustworthy fashion. Um, and I don't, I don't think you can rush that. So I see what he's saying here. But again, I wouldn't say that that has to be a process of years. Uh, for me, that's not been the case in the past. I felt very vulnerable or, or very comfortable being vulnerable uh, with people much before, you know, years into a relationship. I'd say if you're taking that long to be vulnerable, maybe you need to open up to people a little bit more. Essentially, between you and I, what happens when I'm vulnerable and it creates a bond between us is in our relationship, what I've done by being vulnerable is I, I've handed you a gun. I've literally handed you a weapon. Because by being vulnerable, you now have information that you can use to hurt me. So what I did was I just gave you power in the relationship. And when I give you power in the relationship, it makes you more comfortable. Hmm. 
And you think, you know, I'm never going to use this gun, but I really like this guy because he's not holding anything. And honestly, if he does anything to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so I wonder about like in our marriages, you know, my wife has so many weapons to use against me. I mean, she could literally in one sentence or one paragraph, uh, cause me five years of very dark pain. Wow. I actually really like the way he's describing vulnerability here. Guys, vulnerability is what builds relationships. It is exactly what he said, that surrendering of power, that taking off your armor, that willingness to make yourself vulnerable to hurt from another person's hand. And when they don't do that, that's when trust is built. When they choose the right road, when they choose to protect the power that you just gave them and use it to protect you and keep it safe and give you instead return love and affection and um, reassurance to you in those moments, that's when trust bonds of trust are built. And again, I, I don't know why he's saying that takes years and years and years of dating to uh, build. I don't think that's the case at all. But I would love the, the illustration that you just painted there. She's got that. And you know how good it feels that she never uses it? It just it increases my trust in God, in the world, in the existence of love, and all that kind of stuff. And I've got stuff on her. I mean, I know what she'd be afraid of and those kinds of things, and I could play those games. And, man, I would never do that. We are at the most loving truce, right? So here we are. Imagine us just hugging each other, and there's all these weapons yeah. just laid down Lay behind down. us, and we're not going to pick them up. That's really that's really a powerful image. I love that he's closing this video off with that, guys. Um, because again, I would say that is one of the keys to building a lasting, healthy, whole marriage. And again, I wouldn't say that takes lo um, a long time to build necessarily. And I wouldn't say uh, say that it's something that you should put off finding that. I'd say that the pr prioritizing finding that should be a goal in your life. And more importantly, preparing yourself to be worthy of someone's vulnerability should be so important to you. It should be a goal that you pursue throughout your years um, as a teenager, I would say. As a child, you're learning basic moral principles um, and truths. You're learning to trust in God no matter what. You're learning to lean on things other than your own understanding. You're learning to follow truth no matter what. You're learning to build your relationship with God. You're learning to um, prioritize a healthy community that will reinforce you. When you're a teenager, you're learning how to be a healthy spouse. You're learning uh, principles like thoughtfulness, gentlemanliness. You're learning how to lead. You're learning how to follow. You're learning how to submit. You're learning how to love uh, love well. Um, so being again, I would say that these things are not things you learn older in life. So and people suggest that um, often we should be po postponing marriage further and further into our twenties and even our thirties because we haven't learned these lessons. To which I say, why haven't you learned the lessons? Why haven't you learned the lessons far before now? Because that should have already been taken care of. God designed you to be married now. So if you postpone learning the lessons, sure, you're going to have to learn the lessons before you enter marriage, or ideally you should, but really they should have already been taken care of because now you're going to be reaping the consequences. Your, your seat is heating up. The teenage years, you are on a hot seat that is continuing to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And by the time I'd say you're 17 or 18, it's pretty darn hot and you don't want to sit on anymore for good reason. Okay, and God designed you to get up and run towards your spouse in that moment. But because you haven't learned the lessons, because you haven't learned, you haven't developed yourself as a, as a worthy spouse. See, when singleness starts out, it's it's a cold seat. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's it's very comfortable. It's a, it's perhaps a couch. It's got lots of pillows on it. It's very cushy and comfortable. But when that seat is slowly and slowly and slowly becoming more, more and more and more uncomfortable, it's becoming more hot. It's becoming more uh, spiky little little needles all over it. There are lots of things urging you out of that seat because again, that's what parents do when they're when they're when their child needs to leave the nest. 
Christ. And I, I don't really like that illustration, but that's kind of what God is doing. Um, it's really not that he's making your life uncomfortable. It's really that he, you're growing. And because you're growing, the environment that was once hospitable, hospitable to you is no longer sufficient in meeting your needs. So in that moment, God is actually encouraging you, hey, you don't need to stay there anymore. That seat is not really good for you anymore. I've got something better that you need to pursue. And I that goal is marriage. So guys, I'm going to just go ahead and end the video there. This has been a really good reaction video. Again, I would disagree with a large portion of what these gentlemen have said. And a lot of the times, I think people think that just because advice is Christian, dating advice is Christian, that it's good, and that is absolutely not true. There's lots of bad, bad, bad Christian dating advice out there, and I don't think that, I think a lot of it is ignorant to what people really need to hear, and because of that, we are giving people advice that actually ends them in worse trouble than they were originally. So I just love that um, I've got the opportunity to provide an alternate perspective for you guys who perhaps this message didn't really resonate with you and the Holy Spirit and you kind of rejected that when you heard it. So uh, this is an alternate perspective that perhaps will help you more and lead to a life of more fullness. So thank you guys so much for listening. Reach out and let me know what you thought via voice message. You can do so through the, show, the link in the show notes below. Just hit the link that says send a uh, voice message to this show. Record it. I love hearing your voice. It makes me feel more connected to my audience. Social media is great for that. I love keeping up and connecting with you guys there as well. You can follow us there if you're interested at Restoring Rapport on Facebook and Instagram. But I love particularly hearing voice messages. That makes me feel so much more connected to you guys. So thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time time.